This morning we're going to uh, give you the opportunity, if you would like, to uh, have prayer. Um, in a moment I'm going to ask those that would like prayer uh, to stand, and then I will lead in prayer for us. And recognizing that as God's family we come together with many needs, um, broken hearts, difficult situations, and I just want to pray for you. So if you would like prayer for yourself or for a loved one, someone that's not even here, would you just stand right where you are? And then again, for those who are near these who are standing, would you reach out and just touch them, a shoulder, an arm, and place your hand upon them? Father, we are the body of Christ. We are sometimes a very broken vessel, sometimes a very needy group, sometimes uh, painfully far away from where we want to be in our lives and in our ministries. And so, Father, we just come to you now with our hearts open, our hands open, to receive from you that which you want to give to us. So, Lord, may we just have this moment of silence as you hear the prayers of your people lifted up to you. In silence, Lord, hear your church. Lord, for those who are struggling with physical pain and ailments, you have said in the book of Numbers that you are the God who heals. And Lord, we know that that doesn't always mean physically, but sometimes that's exactly what it means. And so we pray for the healing power of Jesus to come down upon each life and wash over them with the healing power of Jesus, body, soul, and spirit. Lord, for those who have broken hearts, marriages that are in turmoil, children who have come far, gone far away from the Lord, financial problems, job problems, all of these, Father, we bring them to you, recognizing that you, according to 1 Corinthians 15, you are the God of all comfort, and that you promise to bring comfort to those who need comfort. And Lord, so we pray that comfort for these, our brothers and sisters now. And Lord, there may be some standing here today that are, feel spiritually empty. Perhaps they feel that there isn't, I'm not even sure if there is a God, or if there is a God, he sure doesn't care about me, or I don't feel him, I don't see him, I don't know him. And so, Father, I pray that your very presence in this room, and you've promised to be here, your very presence in this room would now become very personal to each and every heart, to each and every life. May they hear these words. I love you. I know your name. Your life matters to me. I died for your sins. And I will always love you. Father, may that truth be felt deeply in each one of us. And so now, Lord, we pray that as we open the word of God this morning, that you would open our hearts to hear this truth, that we would be open to not only receive from you, but be open to let go of those things which drag us down. That's my prayer for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, 
my rock and my redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. There's always a, a great sense of um, the power of God when many people are in need of prayer and receive prayer. And I want to thank you for your honesty and your openness to receiving what the Lord has for you today. The words of Jesus in Matthew 7, 3. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? That's the text that we've been looking at these last three weeks, we, or last two weeks. We have two weeks more to go on this series that I've entitled, Remove the Log. Today, The Agony of Aged Anger. So let's review. Um, God wants to give you something. He doesn't want to take something away. God wants to give you life, abundant life, and he wants to do that in such a way that you feel... Um, filled with joy and the Lord's presence and you feel significant in your life and the way you live your life. And the thing that holds us back from that is when we are always looking at somebody else's faults and we're failing to look at the log in our own eye. Two weeks ago we asked, uh, we looked at the question about a critical spirit. Uh, A critical spirit is one who is free to receive the grace from God, the forgiveness that God wants to give to his children, but we're not so free to give that grace to others. And we talked about that critical spirit uh, being one of those things that will keep us from the abundant life. Last week we examined what we called a rude spirit. And we were reminded that when we are shaped or formed like Jesus, When we are conformed to the image of Christ, we take on his attributes, and his attributes we looked at very extensively. His attributes are that of tender-hearted mercy, kindness, and humility. When we are shaped or formed in the image of Christ, like Jesus, we take on tender-hearted mercy, kindness, and humility. And the passage that we looked at was that we are to be clothed or enveloped in these things. And the word clothed doesn't mean that we just put on a coat or a shirt or something like that, but it means to be involved, to be completely covered and to be safely covered by tender-hearted mercy, kindness, and humility. Now, the opposite of that is rudeness. We become, as we looked at the Greek words, we become shapeless or inelegant, in other words, we come, and I, I kind of coined this phrase. I don't know if you liked it or not, but I kind of like it. We become a Quasimodo Christian. We're misshapen. We're not shaped like Jesus. We're shaped like the world. We're not shaped like tenderhearted mercy. We're shaped like rudeness or anger or critical spirit. And if we want to be what Christ wants to be shaped and formed like him, we have to deal with this rudeness in our life. We don't want to disfigure the image of Christ. When people see you as a Quasimodo Christian, it disfigures the image of Christ in their mind. So we need to put on tenderhearted mercy, kindness, and humility. And when we do that, we will be shaped like Jesus. Today, we'll look at the third troublesome log, the agony of aged anger. Anger gets us in a lot of trouble. Now, there is uh, one of my, uh, used to be when I was a kid growing up, one of my favorite players and then managers was the late 
Billy Martin. How many have heard of Billy Martin? Okay, those of you that are baseball people know Billy Martin. Uh, he died several years ago, but uh, Billy was a player for the New York Yankees and then a uh, manager for the Oakland A's and a long time for the New York Yankees several times after he was fired after different times by George Steinbrenner. And uh, he was notorious for his anger, his explosive anger. Every time he would go out with his players, he'd always get into a bar fight. That's the kind of guy Billy Martin was. Well, in his autobiography, he talks about an incident that happened in the early 1960s when he and his really good friend, Mickey Mantle, uh, were going to go hunting. Um, Mickey Mantle had a friend who had a large uh, ranch in Texas and had given him permission to go hunting on his ranch anytime he wanted to. So uh, they get there, they arrive early in the morning, uh, Billy stays in the truck, and Mickey says, I'm going to go in and check with uh, my friend and make sure it's okay to, uh, to hunt on his property today. So he goes in, the guy says, of course, you're always welcome, Mickey, to do that. He said, but would you do me a favor, Mickey, before you go hunting? He said, what's that? I've got an old barn, I've got an old mule in the barn that's uh, dying and he's sick. He just needs to be put out of his misery. Uh, would you do me a favor and put him down? And Mickey said, sure, I'll do that, you know, as a friend. So he gets back in the truck, and as he gets back in the truck, he's thinking, I'm going to play a practical joke on Billy. And so he acts really mad, and, he, and Billy says, what's wrong with you? He said, well, I'm so mad, my friend said, we can't go hunting, and I'm just so mad, I just need to shoot something. So they pull over to the barn, he gets out of the truck, goes in and shoots the mule, and acts really mad about it. And he says, that'll teach that guy, you know, and he walks back to the truck, and, the, and Billy's gone. He's disappeared. He says, Billy, where are you? And finally, Billy comes running back to the truck. He said, I know, I'm mad too. I went out and shot two cows. So now we can get out of here as fast as we can. Anger's going to always get you in trouble. I guarantee it. It's going to get you in trouble. The Bible calls this a root of bitterness. A root of bitterness or aged anger. Something that's deeply hidden in your soul. That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, aged anger is subtle and almost undetectable. It's kind of like carbon monoxide poisoning. You don't know that you're being poisoned. You, 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 see, you feel somewhat normal and everything's okay, and all of a sudden, you're gone. That's what aged anger does to us. It's odorless and it's tasteless but it will kill us. Aged anger is hard to identify, but it's like a cancer that eats away at our soul. Now, the first passage of Scripture that I'd like to look at today is in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. I'll take this opportunity to say to you once again, uh, read your Bibles every day. You will be amazed and astounded at what God has put in this book for you and for the way that you want to live your life. So we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 to 27. This is the word of God for the people of God. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now what this passage says is it doesn't say that anger is a sin. It doesn't say that, okay? It says that what you do with anger is a sin. Anger is just a feeling. It's something that happens to all of us. We all feel that, that kind of burning sensation that starts in, our, in the pit of our stomach and it goes up and it rises and it, our faces turn red. We know what anger is. Anger is a feeling. Sometimes it's a very legitimate feeling. But the problem with it is that we don't deal with it properly. In other words, we have to deal with the anger properly. 
One way to deal with it is to let it just be explosive and explode all over. That doesn't do any good. But the thing that most people do, especially in our modern society, is most people don't handle it. And this is what they do. They repress it or suppress it. They push it down inside of them. Now, our text says, don't give a foothold to the devil. Now, let me give you the, the, the Greek, the, the meaning of that word in the original language was a foothold was a spot or a place to work from, okay? Uh, you can almost see that, right? In your mind's eye right now, you see a ladder or you see some kind of a rock or you're trying to lift yourself up. A foothold, a place to get a good grasp. The word means uh, credentials or permission. Okay, isn't that interesting? The word foothold means credentials or permission, in other words, don't give the devil permission or the credentials to do this work in your life of just making you angry and bitter. Don't give Satan permission. In other words, literally, I'll say that, and this is literally, don't give Satan permission to literally raise hell in our lives. And that's exactly what happens. Not just anger. Again, it can be good or bad, but the inappropriate use of anger now, repression is something that we all do at different levels. Some do it kind of mildly, and we, we, say, we say to ourselves, you know, that's just not worth getting upset about. So we dismiss it, and we just push a little bit down inside of us. But some people push all of their anger deep inside of them. And when we do that, it becomes carbon monoxide poisoning. It becomes something that will literally destroy us. So what are the consequences? You can follow along in your sermon notes. The consequences of aged anger, of giving credentials or permission to the devil to allow to make this thing royal inside of us. What are the consequences of aged anger? Uh, let's look at another passage. This one is in your sermon notes. It's up on the screen as well. From Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Now listen to this. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Notice what it says in that verse. Look after each other. We're looking out for each other. That's why this morning we had you lay hands on each other and pray for each other. Look out after each other so, so none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. A poisonous root of of bitterness. That's that carbon monoxide poisoning that's inside of you. Bitterness or aged anger. It changes your relationship with people. It changes your relationship with God. Now this Greek word for bitterness, it means piercing. In other words, uh, it's like uh, if you're trying to poison someone, you would take the poison and you would push it deep inside of a, a muffin or something else. I've never killed anybody, so I don't know how this works, but I've seen it in movies. But you'd put it, you put it deep inside of food or put it in somebody's drink. You, you put that bitterness, you pierce it into something so that when somebody takes it, partakes of it, it's deep inside of them and it's ingrained in them. It's driving something deep inside like a stake or a nail. Piercing. The word used to to take this poison and, and make it part of us. When we, we repress or we push down anger, it's like 
poison and it corrodes and acts like cancer and eventually leads to death. Some of you remember uh, the late Howard Hughes. He died maybe a dozen, 15 years ago. Uh, he was the one of the famed back in the 1930s and 40s, the Spruce Goose, which, by the way, is on display in McMinnville, Oregon at the Space Museum there. The Spruce Goose, that's amazing. But, but in his later years of life, he thought that everybody was, he was kind of paranoid, thought that everybody was after his money. And he lived the last 10 years of his life in fear and anger with a deep root of bitterness. It's planting poison in our souls. From the text in Hebrews, it's, it's something that causes both trouble and defilement. Trouble is a, a lesser word. Trouble means uh, it's similar to uh, pushing your way into an elevator, and the elevator's full, and everybody's looking over at the little white sign that says the capacity, you make sure that we're okay, right? And, and that, that feels like trouble, okay? It's not bad, it's not, you know, I think everything's okay, but you kind of feel the pressure of all the people, and you feel, that's trouble. Defilement means to contaminate. Contaminate. Anger that is undealt with. Anger that stays inside of you. Anger that is deeply piercing in your soul will cause death. Now, aged anger has several consequences. One consequence is physical. Proverbs 17.22 says it this way. A cheerful heart is good medicine. We know that, right? But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Now, you say, okay, well, that's kind of weird, dries up. What does that mean? Well, in the Bible, when the Bible refers to the, the, the center of our life, uh, that, that what gives us life physically, it talks about two things. It talks about blood and it talks about bones. You know, the bones are where the blood's manufactured and the bone marrow and all of that. So it talks about that is the part of you, that deep inside of you, that piercingness in you, when that anger gets in here, that causes us great physical alarm. Physiologically, uh, consider what happens. Sugar, when you get angry, sugar pours into your system, creating energy. Muscles tighten, they tense, um, our, 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 our stomachs kind of tighten, uh, blood clots quickly in our bodies, adrenaline floods the body, and it motivates us for action. Our pupils dilate so that we can see better, and our heart rates beat, beats faster, and our blood pressure soars. All of this happens when you get angry. Okay. Now, if you get angry a lot, and those physiological changes happen in you a lot, guess what? Your, your body is constantly in what? Dis-ease. Constantly, you're at this, uh, this awareness and constantly these, all these things, these uh, uh, chemicals in your body are, are being driven deep in your body and they're just never being dealt with. Now, we had these reactions. God created us that way because in the early days, you know, we had to fight off saber-toothed tigers and stuff like that. So we needed to have some of those things going. But when people have this angry spirit, and you know who I'm talking about, some people that you know, there may be even people in here that feel like that. When they have this angry spirit, they're constantly getting angry, this Everything that's going on in your body, this tightening, this tensing, it's going to cause dis-ease in your body. Duke University Medical Center did a study on this a number of years ago. The negative emotions, when we have these kind of negative, angry emotions, it says it sends cholesterol level soaring. When you have a rise in hostility level, there's a blockage in coronary arteries, and your body physiologically changes. So your cholesterol soars your coronary arteries harden. See, it's not just biscuits and gravy. Okay, biscuits and gravy can do that as well. But it's also aged anger. It's also getting angry a lot and allowing that anger to seep into your blood and into your body. Uh, Dr. S.I. McMillan from Duke University Medical Center said this, quote, 
Bitterness causes chemicals to pour into our system, which throws it out of balance. Our resentments call forth certain hormones from the pituitary, adrenal, thyroid, and other glands, and excesses of these hormones can cause disease in any part of our body. <laughs> Dr. Robert Williams, also at Duke University Medical Center, did a 25-year study on hostility and incoming students to Duke University. So he did a study, and of the, 25, the top 25% of the most hostile of the students... Of those top 25%, 40% of them died before the, age, before the age of 50. Now, get that again. 20% of the students, 25% of the students, 40% of those hostile students died before the age of 50. Now, you can't all be traced to anger and hostility, but it is remarkable, this research that's done, because then 5% of the least hostile students all lived to be way beyond 70 years of age. Now, you can draw whatever conclusion you want, but from Duke University Medical, they say, they're saying this. Anger and hostility will kill you. Physiologically, physically, it will kill you if you don't know how to deal with it. Enormous consequences physically. There's also, aged anger also, aged anger also has emotional consequences. Proverbs 14, 29. A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. Bitterness and aged anger is like setting a paper, ba a, 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 a trash paper, I mean a paper uh, trash basket, that's what I'm trying to say, a, a waste paper basket, set it on fire, put it in your closet. It may not do any damage in the next hour, but it will bring the house down. It will bring the house down every single time. Aged anger poisons our attitude. It makes us critical. It drives a piercing stake in our soul. We become cynical, short-tempered, hostile. Aged anger is this poison, this carbon monoxide poisoning that just changes our attitude and our demeanor and everything about us. M. Scott Peck, a very famous psychologist, said this, unresolved anger is the critical element in most psychiatric disorders. Let me read that again. Unresolved anger is the critical element in most psychiatric disorders. Number one cause of depression, aged anger, bitterness. Minneth and Meyer, who does a lot of study around this, um, they looked at 50,000 people in a study, and 75% of them that were clinically depressed, they believed it was tied directly to aged anger. Great consequences in our emotional stability. Great consequences in our physical stability. But aged anger also has relational consequences, and you all know exactly what I mean. So we had um, at the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the funeral... Um, Leroy's wife, Patty, uh, who I've known since she was 14 years old, um, she has a brother named David, and uh, about several years ago, David just cut off the family. And he was angry about something, but nobody knew what. He didn't talk to anybody. He didn't tell anybody. And so nobody knew what was going on. They tried to reach out to him, but he was just mad, okay? Now, I'm, I'm telling, as I'm telling you this, every one of you are thinking of a family member, right? You know exactly who I'm talking about. They're just mad at somebody, something. And so they cut themselves off from the family. So that's what David did. Well, he hears on Facebook about Leroy's death and uh, the memorial service. So he flies from where he lives. Uh, I forget where he lives. I think it's Wisconsin. He flew in, and he came in, and um, Leroy was already gone. 
And he just wept and cried. And he said to Patty, his sister, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I just over and over again, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Don't let anger, how stupid is this? Don't let anger from something that happened three years ago, something that uh, maybe nobody even knows that they did to you, don't let that anger ruin your life and keep you from being able to speak to your brother-in-law who you've loved all of your life and say the words that you want to say to him. It has relational consequences. We vent, we blame, and when people are venting and blaming, it's a constantly a sign that that aged anger is piercing deep inside of your soul. The undetectable, deadly, repressed, aged anger. It'll kill us emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and physically. Uh, Mom and dad are, uh, Sherry's mom and dad are here for a couple weeks, and they'll be in second service, and uh, Sherry's sister, Andra. And it reminded me, I was, talk, I was thinking about this aged anger and how that we can spray it on each other, right? right? When you know of some, an angry person, it doesn't take much, somebody cutting off from traffic or saying, just saying something, and they just kind of explode, and you say to yourself, where did that come from? You may even say that about yourself. Where did that come from? Well, it came, comes from aged anger. It comes from something deep inside, piercing deep inside of you. Well, so when that happens, we kind of spray each other. Well, I was thinking when Sherry grew up in Crest, uh, they lived on a large uh, property kind of in the mountains, and um, they'd have a lot of uh, skunks. And they had a dog, uh, and uh, the dog got nailed by a skunk. And, of course, the dog wants to come in the house, right? And so we have a picture of Dad in all of his scuba gear, Washing their dog in tomato juice, right? And, 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 and I thought about that. Nobody wants to be around a skunk. And nobody wants to be around your skunky anger. They don't want to be around your sprayed anger. You know, you spray not all, you, you've seen people like that. I've talked about some of them last week in the DMV, on the road. The people are all over the place, these people that are spraying their anger, and it gets on you, and it sticks on you. People with aged angerness and bitterness spray stink everywhere. They're like a pressure cooker, and they don't even know it. It's in your spirit. It's in the way you treat others. We leak stink, and, and guess what happens when we leak stink? People run away from us. You know, if you say to yourself, I don't have very many friends, you need to look at this. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe you're leaking stink. Maybe your anger is just kind of seeping out of you. Aged anger has all of these consequences. And listen, aged anger has spiritual consequences. You know what Hebrews 12.15 says? See to it that no one misses the grace of God. <laughs> when you have aged anger, you are so busy being angry at everybody, you don't have time to experience and receive the grace of God, let alone give it to somebody else. If you're so angry at the world and angry at everybody, you can't receive God's grief and you certainly can't give it away. It affects us spiritually. Now, let's look next at the causes of aged anger. We'll just run through these very quickly because it's obvious to all of us. The causes of aged anger, there's all kinds of reasons, but let me give you some of the main ones. And I'll put it in the form, again, of an acrostic so you can pick up on that. The first one, A, is agony, where we experience pain and hurt. One thing that I've known from the time I was in college in taking psychology classes is that behind anger is always another, another emotion and behind anger is always the emotion of fear. What am I losing? What's going on? Why am I not getting what I want? 
Why am I hurt? Behind anger is always this thing of fear. And so if you have experienced a lot of hurt in your life, I, we have people in our church that were abused as kids. That's terrible. How do you get past that? Well, one thing you have to recognize that it's real, that this pain and the suffering that you experience, it's real. And somehow we have to move from that hurt and pain and recognize behind that that it's fear that's going to happen again. And all of these things are going on inside of us. So agony, agony, this fear of something bad happening to you, that's a very real cause of age anger. Another one, uh, N, is a nuisance. You know, just little things. Sometimes we get angry just over little things. You know, that's something that's a pretty easy fix. That's where you have to kind of check in with your spirit and say, why do I get so angry at little things? Why do I blow up when some, you know, somebody on the freeway does something they shouldn't do? They probably weren't doing it on purpose. They probably were like you, not paying attention, right? And, and why do I, and so you have to look at that. A nuisance, that's many times a cause for aged anger. Another one is gloom, which starts with a G, but really I'm talking about fear, fear that you have lost, fear that you're not going to regain, fear. The next one is E, embarrassment. Again, that's another one of the secondary emotions that we get embarrassed about something and that makes us angry and we lash out. And the last one is probably the most important and that is resentment. We lose a best friend or we lose a spouse to a divorce. We lose a child to death, or sometimes worse than that, we lose a child to the enemy. But we lose something, and we have resentment, and we blame God, and we are angry, and we are angry at God. You heard about the man who, his engine blew up on the freeway. They towed his car into the lot, and the guy said, man, I'm sorry, your engine is just blown. I mean, you through a gasket and you, a rod went through the, it's just a mess and it's not recoverable. And the, the mechanic said, didn't you see the warning light coming on and telling you that something was wrong with your engine? He said, yeah, I saw it, but it was annoying, so I just put a piece of tape over it. That's <laughs> what we do with our anger sometimes. It's a warning light. It's saying something's wrong. Are you dealing with this? Are you listening? Are you watching? Are you doing something about this? Are you telling God about this? Uh, or do we just cover it up with a piece of tape? The cure of aged anger, I just want to share a couple of things with you before we close. The first thing in the cure of aged anger is to comprehend the offense. Now what I mean by that is that we have to recognize that someone has hurt us and that that's real. And we don't just ignore it or avoid it or say it didn't happen. It happened and it hurt. So we have to understand and we have, or we have to comprehend the offense, what it was, why it happened to us, why we feel this loss deep inside of us. And that's why we have things like Mending the Soul in our church, a great ministry that if you have a lot of aged anger, you need to go through Mending the Soul. It helps you recover from that pain and take care of that anger that's deep inside of you. We need to comprehend the offense, but then we need to understand and grieve over the loss. Matthew 5, 4 says... Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. One of the things that uh, happened um, during the funeral, uh, the night after, uh, the night of, uh, the funeral was on Monday, and then Monday night, Sherry and I were in our hotel room just talking about the day, and Nathan, our son, called us from Georgia, and he said, how'd the service go? I've been praying for you, Dad, and it was just really a nice phone call. 
caught up about all the kids. And then he said, you know, I, I forgot to tell you about uh, a story I remember about Leroy. And I, in my head, I wasn't sure that Nathan hardly even knew him. He knew his name. He had met him a couple times, but I didn't think he really knew him that much. So he said, it was when Tyler was killed. And I told you the story last Sunday. Um, Leroy just showed up on our doorstep, right? And, uh, but, and I told you that story, and that was sweet because it shows the measure of a of friendship, and that was awesome. And Nathan, uh, Leroy was there for a week, and I sure I don't remember anything, what he did or what he was doing or how he helped, but we know he helped. Well, Nathan, this is what Nathan said. Nathan said, Dad, um, that whole week, uh, Leroy hung out with me. He said, um, I didn't want to think about Tyler. I didn't want to think about everybody. In my, everybody in the house was crying, and I hated that, he said. You see, what Nathan was doing is he was taking that anger he had towards God and towards who else knows who else and, and just kind of burying that deep inside of him. Leroy comes along and he takes him out to ice cream, takes him out, played football in the yard for hours, played Nintendo with him. He said, Leroy hung out with me for the entire week, recognizing that this boy had this anger inside of him and that somehow, some way, we needed to help him cope with that. We have to understand the grief over loss and deal with it. We have to defend the ground. When we feel loss, when we feel pain, we can't just ignore it. We have to defend the ground. And then the next thing, and this is the most critical thing we have to do in the cure of uh, aged anger, is to release the offender. To release the offender. In Matthew 20, 18, 23 and following, and in other passages, and I won't take time to read it, it talks about uh, constantly uh, how that we feel that somebody has hurt us and that we are angry at them, and we lash out at them, and then we just want to leave it there. And what Jesus said over and over and over again, I understand your pain. I went through pain too, believe me. I understand your loss. I went through great loss, Jesus said. I understand that as well. I understand all that. But if you get stuck there, if you get stuck there, you'll never go anywhere. If you get stuck in that anger, if you get stuck in that, that root of bitterness, that thing that is pierced deep in your soul and you don't deal with that, it will affect the rest of your life. And here's the bottom line of what Jesus said. Because I have forgiven you much, you need to forgive much. Because I have graced you my entire, that's what my entire life was about, gracing you, you need to grace others. Because I have, every one of your sins I have sent I washed that sin in my blood. I washed that sin in my blood. I washed that sin in my blood. Because you, I have done that to you, you need to release every person who has hurt you. Now, does that mean that they didn't hurt you? Of course not. Of course you were hurt. But you need to release them. Well, but they haven't said they're sorry. It doesn't matter. Well, they haven't repented. It doesn't matter. Well, they, they haven't made amends. It doesn't matter. Those are good things when they happen, but you can't rely on those things to happen. You have to release it and let it go. Sometimes you have to release it every day. God, I release this pain. God, I release this pain. I release this person that hurt me. I, re I do it every day, every day, every day. How many times should you do it? Well, how many times were we supposed to forgive other people's sins? Seven times? 70 times seven? Uh, that was just a number, 490 was just a number to say, no, you keep forgiving sins because I'm going to keep forgiving your sins. Because I'm going to keep forgiving your sins. I'm going to keep forgiving every time you hurt me, Jesus says. Every time you deny me, every time you turn your back on me, every time you sin against me, I'm going to forgive you every single time and I want you to do the same thing. Whether you make amends or not, I want you to do the same thing. We have to release the offender and finally we have to Embrace the good. I say that because every personal sandstorm has the potential 
to be a blessing. Every pearl on the planet started out, started out as an irritating grain of sand. And given the magic of time and the creator's touch, sand can and will turn into a pearl. Look at Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes everything. Notice that word, everything. To work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. doesn't say everything is good. We live in a broken, shattered world. Everything is not good in this world. Everything is not good in your life. That's not what this promise is. This promise is that God will take everything that happens in your life, good, bad, and ugly, and he will make something good come out of it. That's a promise you can rely on. That's a promise you can hold on to. And that's a promise that can enable you to release the pain, the anger, the frustration in your life that is causing you to live less than God's abundance. Comprehend, understand the grief, grieve for the loss, release the offender, and embrace the good. And stop spraying skunk spray over everybody, right? Can we just do that? Can we agree to do that? We have to do that. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, um, this is, this is a, a universal issue. Uh, the more we feel that we've been picked on or hurt, the more we feel undervalued the more we feel angry and we feel fear and all of these other secondary emotions. Lord, we don't want to live like that. We want to be a bright light in this dark world. We want to be shaped and formed like Jesus. We want to be in his image. We want to do to our enemies what Jesus did to his by saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We do not want aged anger to influence the way we live our lives, with our families, our friends, our jobs. We want to be free. And so, Father, I just, in this moment, I just want to take um, a time for each person to just be alone with you, Father. Uh, And in this alone, quiet time, may they just examine their own lives, see if there's aged anger that needs to be dealt with. And, Father, here's my prayer. Help them to release it to you, to release it to you, to make amends if necessary, but to release that anger to you. So now in the quietness of this moment, let us speak to our loving Heavenly Father and hear his words of grace. This is a promise for you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you desire to release that penetrating, piercing anger that's deep in your soul from someone or something that it's someone that's hurt you or something that's happened to you, ask the Lord to pull that out by the root so that there will be no root of bitterness in your soul. He is waiting. He desires that you live an abundant life, life filled with joy, not with anger. 
Thank you, Father, for your promises. Thank you that we don't have to storm around this world angry and disappointed and filled with fear. Thank you that you are wanting to give us a heart that is shaped so much like Jesus that we love our enemies and we rejoice in every day that you give us on this planet. May we be light and salt to everyone who sees us and knows us. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all of God's people together said, Amen.